You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. All right. So, how's everybody doing? I don't know. Let's try that again. How's everybody doing? Good? All right. Good, good, good. Um, it's been a nice week. It's been a pretty good day. How many, how many of you went to the beach this, today at all this weekend? Anybody got to the beach the last couple of days? No? Uh, yeah, I saw your face. I, I could tell you were at the beach all day. All right. Um, uh, we, we, were, we did the beach a lot this summer. I think we're kind of, I don't know if we get to the beach again. The rest of the, you know, fall's kind of over now. Um, but we're beach people, love the beach, our whole family enjoys going to the beach, and uh, one thing that always amazes me about the beach is what lives in the ocean. <laughs> Anybody else? Like when you're going to the beach and you're like, hmm, like I'm swimming, and there's things in here. We were actually in uh, Long Island with some of our family, and uh, we saw... Well, I didn't see, but my son saw, because uh, we were he was there in the morning, uh, humpback whales coming up and actually like opening up, eating, you know, fish coming back down. That was pretty impressive. Um, apparently, one of the guys he was surfing with saw a 13-foot shark, and they kept surfing. So, you know, those teenagers, remember, this part of the brain, not developed, right? <laughs> Risk management, don't understand it, like... That can eat you. But hey, sharks, um, they saw stingrays. You know, we see crabs, all sorts of fish. We saw like entire swarms of fish. Um, what do they call them again? Bunker. Bunker. You ever know what a bunker is? It's like just big, just, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then birds. I'm a bird guy, so, you know, all sorts of ocean birds. Um, but then there's people, right? You can people watch too. Like they, they, they all along the coast. And then at different times of day, you got the, the guy, you know, people surf casting and fishing in the, in the surf. And then people out boats. And there's this entire ecosystem, right, around the beach. You see all this stuff going on. And there's so much life all in one place. You got the dunes with the beach grasses. Like I just I love the beach. I love the ocean. I love all of that. Um, and there's, there's this place on earth that actually has all the potential for an ecosystem like that, to have all this life, um, but absolutely nothing lives there. Absolutely nothing. Um, in fact, that's exactly what they call it. <laughs> uh, they call it the Dead Sea, right? We've all heard of this, the Dead Sea. Um, it's fed by the fresh water of the Jordan River. Okay, so that's, that's actually a picture. There you go. That's the Dead Sea. There's, there's, it's fed by the Jordan River, which is fresh water, but it has so much salt, and that's this white stuff you can see along the edges here, so much salt um, in the water that almost any fish that would find its way into the Dead Sea dies, right? They're, they're, good name, good name. It's a, it's a lake, essentially, uh, surrounded by a desert, like just completely surrounded by desert. Almost nothing grows there. There's very little vegetation. Um, there's no, really no towns. There's not like, you know, hey, there's Core Brothers ice cream on the, <laughs> great Core Brothers on the west bank of the Dead Sea. Like, no, there's nothing there. There's no boardwalk. There's a few tourist stops. I know there are some hotels because people do go swimming because you can float apparently in the Dead Sea. Anybody ever do it? Anybody ever been there? You've been there? Did you float? You float in the Dead Sea? Yeah, I mean, that's, that'd be cool. That'd be pretty cool. I've heard it's good for, good for your skin. It's supposed to be good. You know, I don't know that people put mud all over. I don't know, whatever. Um, but there's just really almost like no life. You can check it out, Google, Google Maps, just do like the, you can search and you just go around the whole thing and there's like nothing there. It just looks like this, just rock and then water and there's nothing swimming in it, no fish, 
nothing living. There, there is bacteria. <laughs> bacteria thrives in, in salt, right, like that. Um, the western bank of the sea is in Israel. The eastern bank is mostly Jordan. Um, and the fact that this is a tense location, uh, politically, it's not the only reason that this has such little life there. It's that the environmental conditions are simply not suitable for growth. If this were fresh water, can you imagine what that would look like? I mean, that would be like, I mean, look at that. That would be like premium real estate, right? If that was fresh water, I mean, you would have, oh, man, that would be the lifestyles of the rich and famous. People would be, you know, lining out with condos and, you know, mansions. I mean, it would be like the playground for people because it's, it's huge. It's this awesome lake, but there's just no life there. Throughout the history of humanity, civilizations have depended on conditions, have been dependent on good conditions to thrive. That's what we need. When you buy a house, what do you, do you, do you say, yeah, I'd like to buy a house in the middle of nowhere. Some of you would. Um, but uh, <laughs> for the most part, you need access to like water, um, to food, to resources. Um, you don't always have to be near people, um, but you're going to ask questions like, what's the neighborhood like? What's the commute like? What do I have access to restaurants or what's in the area? How What's the closest Walmart, you know, depending on where you are, you know, all those kind of things. Where do you want to spend Starbucks? There you go. What's important? You know, you have a good barbecue place, a good pizza place, a good bagel place. All right, that's, you got you to figure out all that good stuff. The conditions are critical to our flourishing. We know this. So with that in mind, let me ask you, how would you rate the present conditions of our world in regard to their suitability for our flourishing. Do you feel like you live in an environment that is designed for you to flourish? <laughs> Just think about it. Are we living in a time and place that makes it easy or hard to flourish? And are most of the people you know right now, are they thriving or are they struggling? Or, or are only some people thriving? Because the reality is, uh, it, we probably need to be a little more specific to answer that question. Like, we need to talk about what kind of flourishing, right? Like, are people thriving economically? Depends on who and depends on where. Are people thriving physically? You know, their access to gyms. We got gyms are a dime a dozen here. You got all sorts of opportunities to do physical activities here. We got parks, and you can go walking, bike ride, running clubs. You can play pickleball. Pickleball courts over here. Hey, Pastor Kevin got pickleball courts over here. It's awesome. They are packed out. We drive by. People are like out there having a good time at pickleball. Um, there's so many opportunities, you know. Uh, intellectually, is there, can you thrive in this area intellectually? I mean, there's education opportunities, schools. I mean, there's lots of opportunities. Um, how about socially? Well, New Jersey's got people, so if you, if you want, you know, relationally, you've got opportunities, you know, now whether that society is, is just conducive to thriving, I don't know. New Jersey relationships, it depends. Yeah, a couple people are good. The rest of the people, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it depends. More importantly, how are the conditions of our world affecting our ability to grow spiritually? Think about that. Is our world designed for us to thrive spiritually? Jesus talked about this all the time, right? That the soil determines the growth, right? The, the quality of the environment influences the type of growth that happens in our spiritual lives. Good dirt equals good conditions equals good growth, right? So in some ways, we live in an area filled with potential. 
We really do. We, I mean, New Jersey's got so many. People move to New Jersey for resources. New Jersey's one of the best places for uh, families uh, with children with disabilities, some of the services in New Jersey. People move to New Jersey for that reason because the support systems, the structures, this is a destination place. In some ways, we live in a place filled with potential, so rich and full of opportunity for thriving. Yet in other ways, I think we may live in an area where it's sort of like a dead sea, <laughs> like a salty sea, um, surrounded by a desert. And to paraphrase Jesus, what good is it if we gain the world, if we thrive in a multitude of ways, but we're dying spiritually? What good is it if you live somewhere where all of your other needs are met, or most of your other needs are met, but, but your soul is dying? What good is it? So today, we're kicking off a new sermon series called The Forest, because of course we are. Because we are life tree, and everything is tree-ish. Um, and I'd like to begin by examining a vision God gave to a man named Ezekiel. And uh, it's remarkable, because what God says to Ezekiel, um, he tells him, this is what's going to happen to the Dead Sea. He actually tells Ezekiel what's going to happen to the Dead Sea in this vision, um, and if God can do what he promises Ezekiel for the Dead Sea, I think it has implications for us no matter where we live. If God could do that there, what can't God do? So that's kind of the framework of what we're going to look at. So for some context of who Ezekiel is, I don't know how many of you are up on your major prophets, um, but Ezekiel was a contemporary of Daniel and Jeremiah, so lived sort of that time in, in human history. He lived during a period of time when God had had enough. <laughs> Any parents you ever had just one of that, that day? Like, don't, not today? Nope. Done. <laughs> yeah, is that day today? Don't answer the question. Okay. Um, he had had enough of Israel and Judah, like, dis, just totally disregarding him. For, for generations, God had been sending them kings and prophets and priests and saying, hey, come on, remember the rules? Like, you love me. I take care of you. This is good. It's going to work. Just follow these things, and I'll take care. I'll be good to you. He's got all this. And the people had been just constantly rejecting God, walking away from God, and God just says, okay, have, have it your way, right? And so he, uh, they, he just basically allows the Babylonian Empire to overtake him. And so these people are now captives, like the entire city of Jerusalem destroyed. Entire cities destroyed. The temple that Solomon built, remember that great temple? Yeah, just destroyed. Everything, to, all that gold, those piles of, I mean, all those resources, everything we had talked about a few weeks ago, I mean, gone. Gone. Everything is gone. Totally conquered. Um, and now they're living. They're not even allowed to live there. They took all the people of Israel and, and, Judah, and they've moved them now. Most of them. There's a few, you know, the poor people were allowed to stay. Most of them are now, they're living in Babylon. That's remember that story of Daniel takes place while he's in exile in Babylon. Jeremiah wrote, I know the plans I have for you. He wrote that to them while they're in Babylon. Same story. So Ezekiel's writing at this time in history. This was not a great time in history. It was a mess the people. There wasn't much to be hopeful about. We're conquered people. Home, gone, shattered, destroyed, living here as captives. Now imagine for the past 25 years, for the past 25 years of life, wherever you were, however old you are, I think 25 years ago, what would you have been doing for the last 25 years that for the last 25 years you've woken up in a place that was not your home, ruled by people that don't value what you value, 
living in a society that celebrates what you don't celebrate and that doesn't celebrate what you do. And you don't have any reason to believe it's going to change. It's been 25 years since you were conquered, and you're just like, you just kind of like, you know, dealt with it, right? You've acclimated. It's like, you know, your front door gets a, a ding in it. You notice it for a couple of weeks, and then after a while, that's just normal. 25 years, you can't even see your house. Like, that's, just, yeah, that's just what it is. You know, you just, you just get used to it. For 25, you've just gotten used to the fact that you're a captive. That's just it. No hope. And God appears to Ezekiel and reveals this extraordinary vision, and it's 25 years into their exile, so that's what's happening. So we're going to read it. It's going to be on the screen. It says this, on April 28th, very specific, April 28th, during the 25th year of our captivity, 14 years after the call, fall of Jerusalem, the Lord took hold of me. He says this, in a vision from God, he took me to the land of Israel, which is home. So in this vision, God takes him back home. So he's still in Babylon, but he's kind of having this dream. And he set me down on a very high mountain. And from there, I could see toward the south what appeared to be the city. As he brought me near, I saw a man whose face shone like bronze standing beside a gateway entrance. He was holding in his hand a linen measuring cord and a measuring rod. It's like an old school tape measure. And he said to me, son of man, watch and listen. Pray, pay close attention to everything I show you. You have been brought here so I can show you many things. Then you'll return to the people of Israel and tell them everything you've seen. All right, so think about this. This man with a shining face just shows up to Ezekiel and begins to show him the exact measurements of a temple. The temple that's destroyed, right? It's a temple that's gone. And it's not to remind Ezekiel, hey, remember that great temple? Hey, it was awesome. This is how big it was. <laughs> He's not just trying to, like, rub it in, right? He's saying, Ezekiel, there's going to come a day where you're going to rebuild this. I'm telling you now, these are the plans for when you rebuild. And he starts with the east gateway and then the outer courtyards and the north and south gateways and then inner courtyards and rooms for preparing spices and the rooms for the priests and the sanctuary. And he just starts showing Ezekiel all the different components. He says, someday you're going to rebuild this and I'm giving you all the plans for it now. And then he saw something that Hollywood couldn't do justice to. All right, here we go. Ezekiel 43, verse 1, it says, After this, the man brought me back around to the east gateway and suddenly the glory of the God of Israel appeared from the east. The sound of his coming was like the roar of rushing waters, and the whole landscape shone with his glory. Let me ask you, how many like sunrises, sunsets? How many of you like those? You like that, yeah? Okay. Ezekiel describes the presence of God as both sounding like the ocean and looking like that. Think about it. He says he's, it sounded like the rushing of water, like that. You see a sunset on the ocean, right? You know, you're standing there and you just, you hear the sound. At, you know, I don't ever see sunrises. I only see sunsets. I'm just not up that early. So you, you're there and you, you hear the rushing of the water. And he says it, it sounded like that rushing. Like if you've ever been to Niagara Falls or something like that, the rushing of water. You've seen the Colorado River. You've ever been somewhere where it's just that power of water says that's what the presence of God sounded like. He says, and the brilliance of sunrise, that, that light, the glory, he said that's what it looked like. Oh, man. He sounded like the roar of rushing water. The land radiated with the glory of his presence, but that wasn't all. Verse 5, he says this, Then the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner courtyard, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Let me ask you, 
Can you imagine being in a contained space with the glory of God? Imagine if God, like, that kind of sound and that kind of light was literally in this room. That's what Ezekiel is experiencing in this vision. I don't know what you dream about. I I dream just like that I'm falling off the bed. Like, that's, like, I don't have those kind of dreams. That's amazing. That's incredible. He says, the same unbelievable presence, right, that filled this place restores the temple. All right. And he says, I heard someone speaking to me from within the temple while the man who had been uh, measuring stood beside me. And the Lord said to me, son of man, listen, this is the place of my throne and the place where I will rest my feet. I will live here forever among the people of Israel. They and their kings will not defile my holy name any longer by their adulterous worship of other gods or by honoring the relics of their kings who have died. It says they put their idols, there we go, they put their idol altars right next to mine with only a wall between, saying this is what they used to do. They defiled my holy name by such detestable sins, so I consumed, that's what I did, that's what happened, that's why you're here in Babylon. He continues, verse 9. Now let them stop, saying Ezekiel, remind the people, stop that, Stop worshiping other gods and honoring the relics of their kings, and I will live among them forever. God's telling Ezekiel here, when you rebuild this, when the time comes for you to come home again, when the people stop playing games with other idols, I'm going to live in all my glory right in the middle of all of you. Since the beginning of creation, the heart of God has always been to live with his people. With his people. That God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He wanted to be in relationship. It's an incredible vision of hope, right? That when you restore all this, I'm going to live in the middle of it. But here's the thing. God's not done with the vision. You can fast forward to Ezekiel chapter 47. He says this, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance temple. So he'd been all over the place. He says, And there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. He's on the outside, right? He says there's a stream flowing beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. There's literally water coming out of the temple. That's weird, right? I mean, like a little stream, like trickling out. of. If you walk into your house and there's water coming out your front door, there's a problem. It's pro- something is leaking, right? It says the man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway, led me around to the eastern entrance, And there I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and led me across. That's about a third of a mile, okay? The water was up to my ankles. All right. Then he says he measured off another 1,750 feet and he led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. Now after another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. That's a mile. They're about a mile out. They've been walking for a mile, and the water's up to his head. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the water was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. And he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Not a good question. You paying attention to this? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? That's what he's telling him. There is water flowing out from the place where God has indicated, I'm going to live here. I'm going to live here when people are brought back into right relationship with me, and there is literally water coming out of here. Now, what was the presence of God sounding like? Oh, the rushing of mighty water. 
And God says, when I restore this place, I'm going to live there, but guess what? It's not going to contain me. I will start there, but I will flow out of there. It's pretty clear, God's saying, he is the water. And I love this because the river gets deeper the farther it gets from the source. Right? That's not normal. That's not how it works. Yet throughout the kingdom of God, throughout God's word, we find that's exactly how his kingdom works. It always starts small and gets bigger. Every single time, right? The world, the entire world, it began with a word. In the beginning, there was nothing, and then God spoke. Society began with one human, right? The nation of Israel came from a single son, right? Jesus came as a baby. God didn't send him as a full-grown man. He didn't come down. He sent him as a baby. A few fish and some bread fed thousands. A seed turns into a forest. See, God spoke this wisdom through Zechariah. He said, do not despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord delights to see the work begin. See, God always starts small and gets bigger. That's just how he rolls. That's just what God does. That the river would start small and deepen is totally like God. Verse 6, he says, then he led me back along the river bank, and when I returned, I love this, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. And he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. I'm sorry, did you catch that? Where's the river flowing? Into. Into. See, the Spirit of God flows out of his home directly into the exact place where nothing lives. Because the Dead Sea was just as dead back then. Okay? So what do you think happens when the river of God, the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the rushing sound of God meets a sea that's called death? What do you think happens? The Jordan River rushes into it and it just gets salty. Well, God tells us what happens. Verse 8, he says this, The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living thing wherever this water of this river flows. Fish will abound, where? In the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. I love this. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Ready for the ecosystem? Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from En Gedi to En Eglaim. You, of course, know those two places. En Gedi, right? It's literally one shore to the other shore. That's what he's telling you here. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. I know all you fish lovers, you love the Mediterranean because there's some good fish in there. Right? He says, but, but the marshes and the swamps, they're not going to be purified. They're going to stay salty. <laughs> it's interesting. All sorts of reasons people say, what does that actually mean? Well, part of it is that not all salt is bad. You need a little bit. And that they would have said, well, we do want some salt. They, they cultivate that, and so some salt is good. But the point is this. God will transform this place into a place that has everything you need. It will be a place thriving and flourishing. Verse 12, fruit trees of all types will grow along both sides of the river. 
The leaves of those trees will never turn brown in fall. There will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. And here's the takeaway. Wherever the river of God flows, life abounds. And not just, not just normal life, we're talking abundant life. An entire ecosystem here. Abundance of fish, fishermen lining the stores, and, and, and trees, trees everywhere. I love it, trees everywhere. A forest of trees. Fruit trees in particular, which is important because fruit trees um, are a blessing to the people around them. I actually had a fig from our tree today. We have a fig trees, and yep, thank you, Gene. Yep, here we go, still putting out figs. It's great, they're just, like, getting ripe, like right now. Um, they're a blessing. I don't eat the acorns off my oak tree. Just, and I wish, that, I wish that it wouldn't drop so many because there's like thousands of them. But fruit trees are a blessing because you can eat them, right? Trees that will always have fruit. Trees that will always meet the needs of the people. Trees that have healing within them for those who are sick. See, because that's a picture of what happens when God lives among his people. When we are right with God, when our hearts hope in him, no matter how hopeless we find the place that we're in. Remember this vision given to people in captivity 25 years in. They, they blew it. They knew it. It was their fault. They're there. Ugh. No hope. And God says to those people, hey, listen, you're not without hope. Here's even the measurements of the temple you're going to rebuild. And not only is it just a building, but I'm going to live there. And not only am I going to live there, but I'm going to dwell there in all my power and water is going to flow out of there and it's going to change the entire area. See, the catalyst for life is the living water of God. So where does that water come from? It came from the temple. That water was flowing out of the door of the temple, right? So the question is this, where is the temple of God today? Is it here at the senior center, right? Is it when we get a building? Is it when we gather? I've got an I gotta, so I exercise for everybody. Can everybody take out your cell phone? Everybody take out your phone right now. Go ahead. Everybody take out your phone. All right. Give you a minute. All right. Now, I need you to open your camera Ready? Now put it on selfie mode. And I'd like to introduce you to the temple of God. There we go. Everybody good? Got it? Okay. Jesus shouted this to the crowds. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from their heart. The water flows out of you and me because God no longer is contained by a single structure. We are the temple of God. And he says he will flow out of us. And it gets deeper and deeper as it goes. God still plants vision inside of us. A vision not for just what, what, what is, but for what should be. Look around the people that you live with. Your places of work your neighbors, your family. Look at our communities. Do you see areas that look dry, areas that look barren? Do you see people that are desperate for a move of God in their life? Perhaps they don't even know it, but 
Are there people around you that are not flourishing, that are not thriving? You know, we live among people who are surrounded by abundance but are dying for a lack of living water. And we're the solution. One theologian put it this way, the thirsty should find in the church the only drink that will satisfy their soul. God has said, I've I got, I got a solution for this world. It's called living water. And it comes out of the temple. Wherever I dwell. God has not called us to have a nice little community church where we gather and sing songs and talk about, you know, the Bible and how to live good lives. God has called us to gather and worship so that living water can flow out of us to the people around us who are dying. Dying. So that life can be produced all around us. We may have started small. You may look around and go, man, what? I can't. I'm, I'm nobody special. Like, it's just, I don't really even know that many people. Nobody listens to me. I'm just one person. What difference is it going to make? Can I just tell you, the kingdom of God always starts small. Like, if you see it starting small, it's getting good. <laughs> like, God's going to, it's going to get deeper. Our vision has never been just to plant this church and to have a nice church where we gather. It is to have a forest of life trees on every side of every river, wherever God may carry us. The purpose of this series is to just encourage us that God's far from done with what he's doing in our lives. We're just getting started. We are absolutely, but it's up to us. It's up to us. The spirit of God, it's got to flow out of us. So what? God continues to be at work here in Robbinsville. And he continues to call each of us to see what is not yet and to trust him for it. To trust him for the loved ones in your life who have yet to experience him. Think about them. Who are the people? Somebody in your family, somebody that you love, that you would love for the living water of God to flow into their hearts. Do you have any neighbors like that? Coworkers, friends, classmates? community people that you know, they just need the living water of God. To, listen, when the water gets too deep like that to even swim in, yeah, it doesn't matter if you want to avoid it or not, you're in it. <laughs> if it's ankle deep, you can kind of walk around it, but it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper the closer it gets the people who really need it. God has more that he wants to do. And I have some evidence that God isn't done yet. Because you look around at Life Tree and you're like, man, this church has changed so much in our past few years. Right? COVID and PS. What's, what's, what's God doing here in our church? And even I'm telling you, as a pastor, I can, I can sit there and go, I don't know. I'm not sure what God's doing. What, what's happening? Are we even relevant anymore? Is this, is this worth doing anymore? What are we doing? God just says, hey. Do not despise the small beginnings. I'm not done yet. You just keep walking. You keep, see, the thing is for us to continue to seek God, to continue to worship him, to create that environment for him to show up. Because when God lives in us, oh, man, he's, his presence changes things. And I've got some evidence that God is not done yet. We've been praying about God, what God wants to do here, and um, we felt God was going to bring some new help to our church. And uh, praying about who that might be. And you know the it just so happened stories that happen in my life all the time. And so I brought my son to a college to do a little visit. 
And as I brought my son there, um, a person I don't know, had never met before, walked up to me and was like, you're Dan. I said, yes, I am. <laughs> and uh, introduced himself and, and we had a great conversation. It was just, and we kind of had like knew of each other, but never actually met in person. And they, he just said, hey, just want to let you know, I'm a, I'm a worship pastor. I'm looking to get back into church ministry. I said, oh, why are you telling me that? <laughs> and he said, I don't know. <laughs> I just, you're from New Jersey? I grew up in New Jersey. And uh, for the past few months, we've been talking and praying with Vic and Caitlin about what God might be doing in, uh, in our lives and in their lives. And uh, after a couple months of prayer and talking over, I'm very excited to announce that Vic and Caitlin have agreed and are officially going to be joining the team here full-time at Lifetree, and they're going to be moving their family from Pennsylvania down here once the baby comes. So they have two little beautiful children right now. i got uh, Selah and James. They're in the kids' thing. And that's Lil Vic that's coming. He's on his way. Lil Vic is on his way. L-I-L, not little, Lil. Lil Vic, he's on his way. Um, uh, but... To me, it's just evidence that God is continuing to say, hey, we're at work. I'm at work. Keep going. And so what I've just done is we asked Vic and Caitlin just to come and just briefly share, uh, just for a few moments, just what they sense when we prayed about it, why they felt like God calling them to join us here. So, like, can we welcome them first of all? Let's give them a huge <laughs> welcome. Thank you. We are so excited, I can't even put it into words, but that very much is like my personality, to walk up to random people and just say, hey, <laughs> like you're you, and yeah, I'm weird like that. I'll probably do it to you, so just get ready. But, <laughs> but yeah, this all started back in like uh, January, New Year's. We, I kind of felt like a unsettling, like in our spirit of just where we were at, and there was really no reason for it, like honestly, just shooting straight. Things, were, things are fine, like where we're at. Job is good, the house is great, kids are healthy. Like there's no reason to change anything. But we just, with <laughs> we just feel like the Lord has propelled us into a season of learning what living surrendered really looks like um, and, and just what that means. And so um, New, Year's e New Year's Eve, we sat down while everybody's cracking champagne, uh, non-alcoholic, and <laughs> uh, yeah, and doing all their New Year's Eve festivities, we're sitting on the couch having this really intense discussion about like, uh, is the Lord calling us back into worship ministry? We were kind of at odds a little bit, and we went home. We went to bed that night, not really on the same page, which was kind of weird. It was like, ah, like Lord, what are you doing? Next day, we wake up and we get a text. I kid you not, from this guy we don't ever talk to, but he's he's a he's a good friend. Um, he's a he's a church guy. Um, and he's, he functions in the gift of prophecy. He just spoke a word of prophecy over us in a note, uh, a text that he said. He said, basically to summarize it, the, the Lord is calling you to a season of transition, and he's calling you into, into like an ocean, like deep waters where you haven't been. It's going to strengthen your, your relationship, and it's going to be new. It's a, time for, it's a time for new. The day after, the day uh -huh. after, like what, that doesn't just happen. That doesn't just happen. So I looked at Kate, and I was like, that's God. I was like, with my smelly breath in the morning, like, that's God, you know? Like, it just, I couldn't avoid it. And we both just knew in that moment the Lord is doing something. We didn't know what. Then, this is where I met Pastor Dan at Breakaway. It was a couple months later, and 
I was excited. I was like, Lord, what are you doing? So I just brought it up to him, and, and before you know it, we're talking, and we're coming here to minister and just getting to know each other. And we were just, you know, we were just praying a ton and just trying to hear from the Lord, like, Lord, is, are you really leading us here? And we were just feeling an increasing burden for you guys, like, you know, leading worship with you guys in the community. And we were looking for reasons for it not to work because we were like, Lord, like, not New Jersey. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to live here, but love you. But uh, yeah, I know, I know. I grew up here. I grew up here. I know. But at the end of the day, there was just, there was no reason not to do it. And we just felt like the Lord was just confirming, this is it. This is the place. This is what I'm calling you to. And, and yeah. And the rest is history. And, mm-hmm. and so it begins. Will be. yeah. It will be. And yeah, we're, I just, um, from the depths of both of our hearts, we're so excited to just be a part of your family and to mm-hmm. minister with you, to do life with you guys. I could talk forever about it, but we're very excited, and yeah, mm-hmm. here we are. Praise awesome. God. Thank you so much. And so we're, you'll have more opportunities to get to talk to Vic and Caitlin. We're going to introduce them last week at the picnic, but uh, Caitlin was just a baby, wasn't having it, so it wasn't working out. But uh, we'll have opportunities to talk to them, greet them, and uh, welcome them. So Pastor Vic uh, will be a, a full-time pastor here doing worship and other things in our church and just so looking forward to, to both Vic and Caitlin working with us and uh, their kids and welcoming this family. And uh, so just so grateful. Can we give them a hand one more time? Thank you, guys. And want to give a shout-out to Caitlin's dad, who's with us all the way from up north, Maine, and her, and her friend all the way from Canada. Melody, Melody, all the way from Canada. So, great to have him here. A? Uh, sorry, had to do it, had to do it. So, <laughs> I know, I know. What's wrong? All right. But anyway, just gonna, we're just going to close, and we're actually going to invite the band back up and make them sing, make them earn it. Um, so, uh, we're going we're gonna to close, but I just want to say this. God is a life-giving God. Wherever he is, life abounds. And we really believe that God continues to want to build not just a, a single life tree, but a forest of life trees. And over these next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to really dissect what that means and what that looks. And I'm excited for that. Um, but I just want to let you know it's an honor and a privilege to get to be part of what God is doing. And uh, God doesn't measure things like we do. He just says, you be faithful. You be faithful and watch me work. And uh, so very excited for that and just want to encourage you. Um, God's going to use all of us. It's going to take all of us. We all welcome God's presence to flow through us, to everybody around us. Again, we live in a place of abundance, but there are people that are dry and thirsty. God says living water is going to run out of you. Hmm. How good is God that he uses us in that way? So as we close, would you stand and uh, invite them just to close us in a song?